Friday, we have Gardening with Barb and Karen. And joining me now, our friend Barb Lamps. And good morning, Barb. Hey, good morning, Karen. It is such a fantastic morning. Oh, it I was is. out shaking the rugs, my throw rugs. I mean, talk about signs of spring. I looked across the street and all the houses up and down the street, the snow has melted off the roofs. And uh, there's uh, melted snow in the yard. You can see green grass coming. It's just really, really fantastic. And then I, I picked up a newspaper, and, and this, there was an ad in there about absolute clearance of all winter things, uh. insulated, insulated mittens, insulated uh, work clothes, and things like that. So I guess these are... Uh, spring on its way. Yeah. That's that is for sure. So yeah, I'm sure you have some good news. What's your good news today? Hey, you know, yeah, I want to thank you for sending me the names of eight women, outstanding women, because we're celebrating um, women, Women's uh, History month, month, right? Yes, exactly. And interesting information. And I thought maybe in the future we could talk about them. But let's start off by talking about those great women in our own lives that have influenced us. You know, very often you think you have to be a hero, you have to receive recognition to have done something uh, that receives uh, acclaim in the newspaper or history records you as being great. But I was thinking about my grandmother who came to this country when she was eight years old from Sweden. She's the oldest of 15 children, <laughs> and all 15 of them lived into the ripe old age of into their 80s and 90s in my mother in my grandmother's condition and she married my grandfather uh she was 18 and i believe he was 28 and then she had nine children so all of her life she seemed like she was she was raising children and being this great uh wife mother uh community member and and she never she she constantly cooked and helped people and if she heard about somebody being sick she would take food to them and and my mother passed this whole thing on to to us in our family that you had to help others and and i have to say my mom's uh, five sisters they were equally uh, they were great cooks and they felt the same way so you know thanks to all those women those women that raised us and our relatives as well absolutely yeah it, yeah i mean you know i look back and my mom of course i've talked about her through the years and she passed away it's been about five years ago now but she had a big influence on me and and you know she was very politically active in the county and always was looking out for the little guys so i tell you what i look to her and and she was like that too always help helping others and trying to do what's right for other people so yes we do owe a lot of those folks during this history month um, a lot of credit and you know someday I hope the boys will have fond memories of me as their mom too <laughs> yes exactly that is so true so if you haven't thought about it for a while we would suggest to your to our listeners you know think about those women in your own personal life that have just been so kind and so wonderful and have taught you the values that you have today because you don't grow up having these values without them being installed when you're young by somebody that loves you and cares about you. For sure. So, well, Barb, yeah. you yeah. had mentioned about the grass greening up, and I just wanted to, since we're going to talk gardening now, I wanted to just mention it's greening up, but stay off the lawn. 
don't get out there and start raking because this is the first thing people do when the snow goes they get out there with their rakes and they start raking because it's like well it's it's warm it's going to be 60 so why wouldn't i get out there right and we just want to let you know it's not a good idea no just but you can certainly scout your yard take a look and see if everything looks the same as it did in the fall if you've got uh, you know you can always tell if you've had rabbits they're eating <laughs> yes. because they live leave all that debris behind so <clears throat> and if, if that's the case you might want to uh, uh, take action and put up some kind of fencing or something to protect your plants because it won't be long and we will have uh, crocus coming up and grape hyacinths and and daffodils and tulips and that as a matter of fact karen um i was out just peering into the perennial border and i have daffodils that the green is coming up oh wonderful you can see the tips of it coming up through the soil and i thought oh that is so wonderful and i was surprised and this probably is nothing new but uh, the grape hyacinths they are just as green. Mm-hmm. The foliage is just as green as can be. So did they not go dormant? Do they Are they always like that? I don't yeah. remember. I, I, yeah, because I've had that too, where those are the first things to see that are green. And they they tend to, to stay that way a lot. And, you know, I have the bunnies, you know, baby bunnies especially. They'll taste anything. So I'm going to get out there. I bought some special deer deterrent stuff. And I'm going to start spraying that because once they start to come up, I mean, that's like candy to them because it's that tender stuff that's just shooting out of the grounds and the deer will take the any tulip bud uh come bulb head coming up and then of course you won't ever have flowers so that's a really important thing i'm going to start spraying around the yard with this deer deterrent or like you said a fence i've also put uh, uh chicken wire over top of when my bulbs are coming up just to prevent them from chewing down in there but then they start to come up and you still have to protect them because if the the, the uh, bulb comes up the bud that's like the best part it's like kind of the when you're eating a chocolate or something and there's something in the middle that you <laughs> yeah. are waiting, a chocolate-covered cherry, the cherry you're waiting to come out, it's it's the best part. So deer are going to be an issue, and I know they are because we've had them sleeping in the backyard. We can see them, and, and they've chewed on the Japanese yew that I have, which, you know, it's not, I don't know, it's kind of a tougher shrub. So I know it's going to be an issue, and I, I just want you not to be so disappointed by trying to prepare ahead if you can yeah, you know, and you wouldn't think here in the heart of the city that we would have as many deer coming into our yards. My neighbor, Mrs. J, she said at 2 o'clock in the afternoon one day last week, there was the the mother deer and her uh, two or three grown babies now, and they were out. And so I went out and looked, and sure enough, they had been after this French pussy willow that I have. Oh. They love that willow. They just they just cut it right down. They start at the top and they go right down to the bottom. And then the rabbits come and the very lower part, they'll go after that. So I've got the bottom part protected, but the top I mean it's just um it's just going to be one of those things. It, the shrub gets so big that you really there's really no way I have to protect it. Except if I put some of this this deer uh, be gone stuff on it so I'll I'll have to get some of that and try that and and let you know if they stop eating because it's a perennial problem here for all of us well I'm trying something new I went to that that online garden show the Wisconsin 
garden and landscape yes, show. And they had this, um, they, they had vendors, you know. It's, it, so instead of going there, they had videos you could watch that vendors had. And sometimes they even had the booths where you could connect live with people. And there's a new product I'm going to try. I'll let you know if it works. It's called Deer Defeat. And the video showed the deers would not touch the stuff, even though they were right near it. And so I ordered that, and I'm going to be trying that as a new product uh, to see if it works. So deer defeat, I've done liquid fence, and liquid fence I know helps. Um, I've done malorganite, that's a, a natural uh, fertilizer that, that sometimes that deters animals as well. So that's also beneficial to the soil. So it's the kind of thing where they say, well, what works for sure and a giant fence which I had to build around Grant's Lily Garden out by the lake house um, is really the only thing and it's over seven feet tall so that's your guarantee but I'm going to try this other one and let you know how it works. Well that's great because we're always looking for new things that um, that solve the problem but don't harm anything in the environment. Exactly that's, yeah. That's sustainability you know where you can do something and grow it in a healthy manner. The plant can be healthy, and it doesn't affect future generations. You know, I read this saddest story in the free press this morning about the deer that uh, they've been um, checking on, and hunters had uh, taken samples of the spleen and sent in because they knew there was something going on. And remember when we started hearing about uh, nicotinoids, nicotinoids, and they call them... um, Nickies for short. Yeah, neonicotinoids. Uh huh. Yes, and and they're finding that in the in the spleen of the deer, and they're saying, you know, it's it's not just an agricultural problem because the seed is treated with this, mm-hmm. uh, and and then the seed when the farmer's planting, they spill on the ground. The deer come, the birds come, and they eat these. And, and that's one of the ways that they're exposed to that. But they said that uh, neonics are also um, in insecticides uh, by city gardeners, things that we put on our lawn. So we all are to blame for this whole mm-hmm. thing. And in, um, I believe it was 2019, uh, 2018, the European Union banned totally banned neonics because of the large number of scientific studies that had found that they were harmful to pollinators. So, you know, if you you care about the environment, uh, it's very simple to see if this is in in a product that you're using and don't don't do it because future generations would like to have deer that they're seeing and pollinators and fresh water, you know, clean water to drink. All of those things are, are affected by this one really deadly chemical. And, you know, you can ask, and I've done this. I have actually asked when I've gone to a nursery, do you have plants with neonic- that use neonicotinoids? And they can tell you. And also, I've even if I've done online ones, I have actually sent an email and asked specifically, and they will say yes or no. Because you can make a difference by, you know, just don't buy those products that have that because then hopefully they'll realize, well, we better not carry those. And and there's yep. reasons they use that. I think, you know, I'm sure for some, but it's not <clears throat> good for the environment at all. Well, yeah, because for, for some, um, the uh, genetically modified plants, so then the, if you have genetically modified corn, 
then the the plant is grown so that it will can tolerate this um, in, um, uh, insecticide, and it will grow, but yet it will kill off the, what it is that they're if it's root form or whatever it is that you're going for. So, it you know you have to find out um, where your where your food's coming from and what they're using. And so I've gotten that to that too, that point where I am reading labels. But even with that, unless we do something um, on the federal level to control where these can be used, and we have to do more studies to find out how much, if this is affecting the spleen of the deer, and if it's a, if they're having miscarriages and and uh, babies that are misformed, how much of this can we tolerate? Well, and the know? reason it does that, I, I just wanted to, is because these are in, these neonicotinoids are insecticides, which of course you try to prevent them from damaging the plants and everything. But then right. they act as a, a nerve agent in the little insects and other things that munch on these plants and then of course the larger mammals eat them and so it goes through the food system and that's what's causing the the, the problems down the line yeah yeah that's exactly right hey you know something that i'm brought into my home from uh outside last year was um there was a new uh uh hyssop and anise hyssop now you know that is that's a plant that's uh hardy here in Minnesota, if it's the uh, the uh, original, if it's a heritage plant, I mean, if it, it's always been here. And uh, I'm sure you have that in your uh, butterfly garden. But it, there was a new one that uh, All-American Selection, and that was called Golden Jubilee. And I planted that because the foliage is a chartreuse color. And you know how nice it is to have that light green, that chartreuse color. It's like a pop of color, right, amongst the regular green. And when the light hits it, the sunlight hits it, it's even even more magnificent. And it has a a lovely bloom on it. It's It's a purple little thing. The pollinators love it. They love our native one, and they love this one as well. And, but this one is the the new hybrid one is not hardy for oh, yeah. uh, zone four or even five. It's hardy in zone six. So I brought the plant in, and you know it's it's surprising. I cut it back to almost nothing. It, it did really really well, and I like that plant because it smells like licorice anise, <laughs> and and I love licorice. Also, you can make tea out of those leaves. And with the flowers, you can sprinkle them on salads for flavoring and things like that. So if, if that is the case, if it was just a fluke this year that it did so well, because a lot of times perennials like that don't really do all that well in the house. This one did just wonderful. Um, I'm going to, when it's warm, I'm going to put the plant back out again and see how well it does if it acclimates, and then bring it in again in the fall. Because it would be very nice to start having my own hyssop tea in the wintertime. Oh, right. Yeah, and that's the thing. Sometimes i found some of the plants you bring in from outside that are typically annual. Some of them do well inside. Some of them don't, and they just die. And I just it's just par for the course. So I'm glad you found one that works <laughs> for you. Yes, and, and I'm thinking more along the line. Maybe I used to try to bring in uh, chives and things like that. Oh. 
and they didn't do particularly well. But it may have been me, too, the gardener. When I think <laughs> of all the combinations of soil that I used, uh, I am sure that everything I was um, plant bringing things in had very heavy soil, and now I'm much better at trying to provide for the plant a total system, you know, where it's got humidity, it's got water, it's got sunshine, it's got good soil, good drainage, all of those kinds of things, which is so important. But, yeah, so so maybe maybe I can start growing some herbs in my windowsills. That would be really nice. Well, do you know what I'm going to do? I did this last year, and it was successful. It was an experiment kind of last year. Um, I, I'm going to go out and plant my peas. I know it's really early. The soil is very, very cold. But what I did was sort of like they do with uh, <coughs> the, what do they call it, the, the winter winter sowing kind of thing where I took a milk carton and oh, yes, I yes. put the seeds in and then I put this milk carton with the lid so you could put the lid over. T- so, you know, it's it, basically you cut the, at the, the bottom off so it's an open hole and then you cut at the top so you can flap the, the milk t- um, jug lid over top and will allow... If, if it's warm, you can open it, or if it gets too cold, you can close it back up. And last year, I had really, really super early peas because they do like it when it's cooler. So sure. I'm going to start them now, even though, in my, <clears throat> but I have the raised beds, too, so you got to keep that in mind. Yeah, right. There's and, a real advantage because yeah. a raised bed warms up so much earlier. Yeah. So I'm yeah. looking forward <clears throat> to that. And, and another thing I did last year that I've never done is use that pea inoculant. And in the yeah. past, I've just thrown them in, but it did seem to help. It was a, a package I had, and it came with this pea inoculant. And so I actually bought a little extra package this year. That, And I don't know, do you know how it works to make it yeah. grow better? Yeah, actually, um, uh, you know, when I started putting in this cover crop, this crimson clover, mm-hmm. um, the seed is coated with that, with the inoc- inoculant. And that's a ligium, and you want it to get off right away. But what it does is... Um, there's um, a, you're you're going for the um, microorganisms in the soil, and some of them that <clears throat> the uh, legume needs are not there, and so you're bringing this in with that. So you're giving them a jump start so that the microorganisms connect with the inoculant, and then when they do that, it feeds the root, and then you get you get off to a good start because you're building a better root. You can't do that with a fertilizer. You have to do that with this inoculant. So, And then once you get this soil going, <clears throat> and it, it's got this um, um, bacteria in there, then you don't have to do it year after year. So, you know, do it in different parts of your, you know, your garden so that you know you've got that going for you. Then you you're done. I mean, that's it. Oh, seriously? So if I did it last year, I don't need to do it again? No, no. Oh. You sh- there, there's no reason. Okay. But it certainly, it doesn't hurt to do it. It's just that you don't have to spend your money on that or, or put them in a different part of your, in a different area of your garden so that that inoculant gets into there. Would yeah. you use that on other, other seeds and things as well? You know, I don't think, I don't think I would. I, I've always just thought it was ligiums that needed it. Well, I've seen where they have special inoculants or things that are natural, like bacteria that you can buy to put in a hole when you're transplanting something or when you're starting a new tree or something. And that's supposed to get the good bacteria, which goes on the roots and is sort of a a relationship that allows the the, the roots to uptake those nutrients. And so you get a a much better start. And so I'm going to try that with some of the things I'm I'm going to be transplanting. 
You know, any of these things like that, um, as long as you follow the directions, right. you're going to be okay. It's always nice if you had a baseline. If you knew what something did last year, now you added this, and now how is it, you know, things being the same as much as they can in nature, how well is it doing this year? So it does seem like there are a lot of things um, to put into the soil. One thing about legumes, you know, it is such a win-win thing. It, you, the foliage, you, you plow that under, that provides the organic matter. The root system, that was fixing the nitrogen in the soil. As a result of those two things, your soil is going to be able to take up and store nutrients longer rather than especially with nitrogen, which works its way through. And uh, you're, you're just going to, you're going to be building the soil. Again, it's one of those sustainability type things. So you didn't take something out of the soil. You built it. I mean, you benefited because you got the food, but the microorganisms, they, they benefited too. Hey, for those listeners who are excited about getting seeds started, you can start some of them now. Uh, make yeah. sure you have your your light source and you've got uh, the seed starting soil. Don't get potting soil or, or any other garden soil. You want the stuff that's sterile so they don't have the damping off, which is a fungus. And things like the coal crops, like the cabbages and the kales and those sorts of things, those sorts of seeds, it's okay to start now. Because we've been talking about don't start, don't start, but now there's some things you can, and I know you've sure. got some, what, leeks and onions and things started? Nope, I, I oh, you bought did the seed. I haven't started them. Here's my thing with the month of March um, and the first few weeks in April. I like to go south. and Oh, I that's found, right. You are, you're, a, you're a snowbird. <laughs> yeah, and, and you can't expect someone to come in every day and watch over and water these things if they're getting dry. And it's hard to leave True. instructions so to know when to water things. So my experience has been I'm always, I know when I'm going to be home in April, and I still have, I plant things. As long as I get them planted by the 15th, they are just fine. And I've done that with, uh, uh, with cabbage. I've done that with broccoli. I've done it with cauliflower. And, you know, then I don't have such a big root system mm-hmm. that spreads out all over. The plant is nice. It's compact. I, I put it in a covered row because, you know, those things don't need pollinators. They don't need to be pollinated. You just cover them up with that row cover, um, and uh, it's just it just seems to work really well. I have to say we've had just incredibly good luck doing that. The especially the broccoli. You know, people complain, and we've talked about this before, about that nasty green worm that gets in broccoli. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't seem to happen. You know, be sure. It's timing for you. I know a lot timing. of it's timing and covering your rows with that, yep. uh, some yep. type of keeping, a Keeping protecting. those white butterflies out. Yeah. Which, you know something, this is so strange. I had a white little moth in my house the other day, oh. and I can only... It, it either came in with something that from um, the greenhouse, and it and it hatched in here, or I don't I don't know I don't know how I would get that. So anyway, I just opened the door and shoot it outside. Why didn't you squish it? It could be could be one of those. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I always think of some of them that are going to eat my plants. But you're right. <laughs> you know, they I pollinate just, too. 
Yeah, I didn't have the heart to do it, and it's probably, you know, what are the chances of it making outside, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I just couldn't do it, but I just was so surprised to see this little thing flutter on by, and... and well, uh, we've had cases where we've had, uh, in the middle of winter, a, a monarch chrysalis, all of a sudden you see it somehow, and somehow they must have, you know, at some point gotten in, and, and then they do their thing, and yeah, so you just never know. They have ways of getting sure in. they do. You know, Karen, I was going to say that the sun is higher up in the sky now. And this might affect, if you've had things in your south window, maybe it's getting hotter in there. Mm -hmm. If you had things like begonias, maybe you need to move them out and move something up into that area that would appreciate that hotter, brighter sun. And uh, if you do that, keep watching to see. You can tell if something's getting too much sun. The leaves start getting limpy looking and yellow. Uh, that's, that's entirely too much. It needs to be moved. It may just need to be set back on a stand a few feet away from the window, and it'll be just fine there as well. And I have started using some very diluted fertilizer on with my uh, feeding my house plants just because it's they're starting to grow again and so I've been using very diluted like a fourth solution and just started to you know give them a little extra for growing yes yes exactly and you know I did I've done the very same thing and as I talk to them and I turn them around (laughs) and they've gotten another bath now and actually some of the begonias I this morning before we went on the air I was cutting them back you know you love to see all this growth, but it really is hard for the plant to sustain that when it's in a pot. Yeah. You're better off to cut that off and then have a smaller plant, and then by the time you gradually introduce it to the outdoors, it'll have a much better chance of taking right off. Well, thanks, Barb. It's always great to chat with you. Uh, I hope you enjoy the weather this weekend and just you know get out and just scout things, but don't be tromping on the, the, the soil. 